people are excited to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I got a quick scripture I want to share with you. It's found in Mark chapter 4. Um, and this is right whenever the disciples that were on a boat, there was a storm and Jesus was asleep. Uh, they woke him up and it said he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. 
He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and seas obey him? And I started thinking about it, and it's such an easy, you know, basic passage, but Jesus' power, man, is so powerful. And I just want to encourage you, no matter what you've got going on in your life, what storm you might be facing right now, how many people know that God can calm our seas? Amen. And so this morning, as we continue in worship, I just want to encourage you. It's not about what what situation you might find yourself in. It's the fact that God is bigger than that situation. So he deserves our worship this morning. How many people believe that? Amen. Let's worship the Lord. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love. You are love. On display for all to see, you are light. You are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope. You are hope. You have covered all my Sing, no other 
people are thankful for that blood this morning. Amen. Um, for the next few moments, we actually like to pause every worship service and just make an opportunity if you need prayer for anything. And uh, just like we were saying earlier, if maybe you feel like you're in a storm in your life right now, maybe you feel like you're just going through a time that's kind of tough and you need to agree with someone or stand in the gap for someone, we want to uh, we want to pray for you. We, we love the opportunity to pray for you. So um, right now as we continue worship, I want to invite my prayer team down front. They'll be across the front for the next song or so. And uh, we just want to encourage you, if you need anything at all, just come pray with us. Amen. As I was lost in utter darkness Till you came and rescued me And I was bound by all my sin When your love came and set me free And now my soul can sing a new song Now my heart has found the Grace, how great. 
Come on, you belong to the Lord this morning. Make some noise if you believe that. Amen, amen. Why don't you love on a couple people around you this morning and make your way back to your seat. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room, where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We're so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. On Sunday, May 29th, we have our annual Church on the Rock Memorial Day Car Show. There will be all styles of cars, family fun, games, prizes, inflatables, and great food. This is a huge event that takes a lot of volunteers. If you would like to help, you can sign up in the foyer. It's always good to come together and be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I would like to officially welcome you here at Church on the Rock. We're so glad that you came to worship with us this morning. But real quick, I have a few announcements. Uh, first, uh, this Tuesday, the Texas side is actually having a runoff election. So if you want any information, voters' guides, you can pick that up in the foyer after service. And I also want to remind you about our uh, repeal M-130 campaign which is speaking on the uh, Arkansas bathroom ordinance. They're trying to repeal that. So if you have any questions, you want to pick up information, or maybe you want one of the signs that we had on stage last week, you can pick one of those up in the foyer after service as well. And then also, you saw the uh, last part of our announcement video. We have a big event coming up, our Memorial Day car show. And uh, man, it's a lot of work, but every year we see people come to Christ, and that's the heartbeat behind the, the entire deal. So man, we're really believing this year that people might come to, to look at some cool rides, but they're going to hear about the Lord of Lords. Amen. And uh, so if you want to help and be a part of that in any way, we would encourage you to sign up for that in the foyer as well. Amen. Amen. Hey, one other thing about the car show, those little things you got in your bulletin, those information sheets, they're all over the church, stacks of them. Grab a bunch of those. These are great invitations. And this could be the ticket to somebody to go to heaven. 
I mean, literally, just somebody coming to a car show. You know, maybe they wouldn't come to church, but they come to that. They've got a little tent out there. We do a chapel service as well, all the services in here. And there's a good chance to hear the message of Jesus and come to know him. Amen. Hey, one other thing about the, the car show. We have a sponsor pick award. Uh, there's eight left. If you're a business or just a family wants to give an award in your name, it's $100, but that $100 goes uh, 100% to our Imagine More campaign. So it's kind of a way to, you know, kind of pick out a car, give an award, you know, honor your business or whatever, and also get some money to the building campaign. We continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, whatever you want God to bless, that's what you have to put Him first in. And so if you want God to bless your finances, you put Him first in your money. And the way we do that is by giving that 10%, that tithe, back to the Lord. And there's four verses that explain the promise, the purpose, the place, and the day for tithing. I'm going to give you those four verses in less than two minutes. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 gives the promise about tithing. It says, Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income, and He will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wine. So God says if you honor Him with the first part of your income, He's going to bless you. So if you make $10, you return that $1 to the Lord. If you make $100, you return $10 to the Lord. It come, It's about putting God first place in your life. And then when you give that 10%, He'll bless the other 90%. And his blessing on 90% can go better than my 100% can. Amen? So why does God tell us to tithe? What's the purpose? The purpose of tithing in Deuteronomy says is to teach you always to put God first in our lives. God doesn't need your money, but he needs what it represents, and that's our hearts. He wants you to trust him. Now, where do you tithe? Do you tithe the United Way? Do you tithe to your brother who's been out of work for three months? That's charity. You bring it to the house of the Lord. It's a form of worship. And it says in Malachi 3.10, bring, bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord, all-powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. And again, the storehouse is the temple of God, the place where you worship. And when are you supposed to tithe? You do it on the day you worship. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16.2, on every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something for what you have earned during the week. Use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much God has helped you earn. So when you give God the first day of your week, the first part of your day, the first part of your money, you're really saying you're number one in my life. And it really does work. And notice the Bible, what it said in Corinthians, it says put aside. That means you've got to plan it. It's not just an impulsive thing. It's something that means that you're a good steward. So do that. Watch God bless all you put your hands to. Amen. As the ushers are coming forward, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest speaker. This is somebody who was here last year. If you remember, Scott Camp, we did a Friends Day, and we had these altars filled with people getting saved. They came back that night and got baptized. It was just a powerful weekend. And this is a great opportunity for our church. This man travels all over uh, the world, literally. But let me just tell you a little bit about uh, his background in education. Dr. Camp holds a Master of Arts in Theology from Criswell College, graduating summa cum laude. In addition, he holds a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Assemblies of God University and a Master of Theology degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Cemetery. Seminary? Cemetery? What is it? No, no, no. He was also awarded Honorary Doctor of Divinity from St. Thomas Christian College in Jacksonville, Florida. Currently, currently completing a Doctor of Ministry program from Assemblies of God Theology in Springfield, Missouri. So you can see this man has some education, and he wouldn't really share that. But Pastor really wanted me to share that with you so you really understand. I mean, this guy knows what he's talking about. If you were here last night, I'm telling you, just broke down the Holy Spirit and about uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, just very, very good. I think you're going to 
not just enjoy it, but I want you to remember, whenever a man like this is around, an evangelist, there's always an impartation and anointing. There's some things that can be taught, but other things just got to be caught. And this is one of those things that uh, is going to be exciting. Amen? So as we continue to uh, worship a little bit and finish our offering up, we'll have Scott Camp come up, and it's going to be a great word. Amen? There's nothing worth more and leads us and Lord I can communicate information but that won't change anybody's life unless you come and turn information into revelation only you can do that and so we invite you now and we give our full attention we just ask you Holy Spirit of God to limit any distractions in our mind and we ask you to arrest our attention and help us to love you with all of our heart our mind our strength today in the moments that we have we want to take another step forward in our walk with you so help us in Jesus name and everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise.
Well, it's great to see you, and uh, I love your pastor, and of course all your pastors, Pastor Mike, and he said that, you know, I was in school. I was, it took me 10 years to get through seminary, and I'm still trying to get over it. I've been trying to get 10 years to get over what I went through during that time, so pray for me, amen. And you know, you can know a lot, you know, I know people who have uh, so many degrees, they look like a thermometer, but they don't know what some precious little saint of God who barely graduated from high school, but the Holy Spirit has taught her the, the word more than black ink on white paper, and that's what I'm praying will happen in this place. Some of us have full heads but empty hearts. And you can know a lot about God and know a lot about the Bible and know a lot of, of factual information, but that's really not going to change the world. Amen. The early church didn't have seminaries. The early church didn't have church buildings. They didn't have radio and television. That might have been a blessing. Amen. But they changed the world within their generation because what they had was the power of God. And that same power is available to us today. Amen. Come on now. It's available to everyone in this room because the Holy Spirit is here. So take your Bible and turn to John chapter number 14. And if you weren't here last night, and I assume that probably most of you weren't, uh, I'm preaching three different messages in what I'm calling Holy Spirit Weekend here at Church on the Rock. And in the later service today at 11 o'clock, I'm going to share my testimony of how as a Southern Baptist evangelist, I had just preached the Southern Baptist Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana, in the dome where the Colts play. And uh, they said, this young man is the next Billy Graham. This young man is the next great Southern Baptist evangelist. And about six months after that, I had a life-changing, ministry-changing encounter with the Holy Spirit. I received what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it forever changed my ministry. Somebody asked me, matter of fact, listen to this. There was a pastor, I don't know if you know this, there was a Baptist pastor here last night, and he came up, I met him at Starbucks a few weeks ago, and he came up last night, his wife has stage four cancer and this young man is in his early 30s. And he came up to me. We talked a few weeks ago. I was here uh, speaking to your college students at SUM. And I met him. Just, just uh, the Lord arranged it. And I got to pray with him. But I didn't know the circumstance. I knew he was a Baptist. And everybody say, thank God for the Baptist. Amen. I mean, I love the Baptist. I still preach in Baptist churches. They just always tell me, please don't do anything weird. That's what they say. And I say, I'll try not to. Amen. But he came up last night and he was weeping. And he said, everything you talked about tonight describes my life. He said, I love the Lord. I love the Bible. I'm called into the ministry. But there is something missing in my life. There is, an, there is a power that is missing in my life. So we got to pray together, and I believe it won't be long. Whenever somebody gets that hungry and that open, it won't be long. Amen. 
And that's what happened in my life. And I'm going to talk about that in the next service. And then we're going to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So just don't run off. Just hang around. Amen. I mean, the Cowboys aren't playing today, so you won't have to have a heartbreak. Amen. And just, you know, stay around and hang out for the second service. And we're going to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I want to talk to you about in the next few moments that we have is the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament in pictures and in what are called types in the Old Testament and then prophecies. The Lord promised there would come a time when he would do something new in the history of salvation. And Jesus talked about this in John chapter 14. So are you there, John 14? Look at verse number 16. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Jesus said, I'm going to pray to the Father. And the Father will give you another, and that word another means another of the same kind, another helper or comforter that he may abide with you forever now, who is he talking about? Well, verse 17, this is the spirit of truth. Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, we noted last night, if you weren't here, that this, these kinds of passages speak of the, of the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person, and Jesus talked about him in very personal terms, and then we also discovered that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third member of what theologians have typically referred to as the triune God or the Trinity or the Godhead. It doesn't mean there are three gods. It means there's one God in three persons, and don't ask me to explain that. Because I can't explain that. I mean, I can't even explain how black cows eat green grass and have white milk, amen? I can't even explain my wife, but I love her, and I can't explain God. But this is what God has revealed about himself, that this one eternal God has revealed himself, and, and he eternally exists in three persons who are co-eternal, co-equal, co in essence, in terms of substance and essence, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, and yet the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, one God in three persons, amen. All right, are you with me on that? So, Jesus said, I'm going, now he's speaking, I, Jesus, the Son, am going to pray to the Father, and the Father is going to send the who? The Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Now, look at this statement Jesus makes because this is powerful. Verse 17. I'm talking here, Jesus says, about the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But look at this. But you know him. And then watch this. For he dwells where? No. Where? With you, present tense, he's with you, but he shall be, future tense, where? Woo, praise God. 
Jesus said, I'm going to do something that has never been done before in the history of humanity. I'm going to ask the Father to so pour out the Holy Spirit that he is not with you. Now, Jesus was with his disciples, and he said, I'm going to go away. And when he said, I'm going to go away, can you imagine the disillusionment? Because these are men and women who have given up everything to follow Jesus. And they've seen Jesus perform all these miracles, and they've come to believe that he is more than a mere man, more than a rabbi. Matter of fact, it won't be just a few chapters over before Thomas, who was once a doubter, will fall down before Jesus and say, my Lord and my God. He recognizes that Jesus is God incarnated, enfleshed, right there before their very eyes. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. And the disciples must have thought, what? What do you mean go away? We thought you were going to bring in the kingdom in a physical, tangible way, kick out the Romans, reestablish the Davidic throne, and we were all going to get to reign with you. And Jesus says, well, I am establishing the kingdom, but it's going to look a little different than what you anticipated. Matter of fact, I'm going to go away, but it's good for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away by going to the cross, being buried, resurrected, and ascending into heaven, listen, when I sat down at the right hand of my Father, the majesty on high, I'm going to pour out my Spirit. Now, you know about the Spirit because the Old Testament talked about the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, the very, the second verse in the the book of Genesis says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the depths, over the deep, over the water. And so they knew there are a hundred references to the, old, to the Spirit in the Old Testament. He did things like empower people. Do you remember Samson? The Spirit of God came upon him. He picked up the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. That was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come upon prophets and they would prophesy. The Holy Spirit would anoint kings and give them wisdom to rule. The Holy Spirit would anoint priests so that they can do all the intercessory activities and fulfill their call. So the people in the Old Testament knew about the Holy Spirit. And yet Jesus said something different is going to happen. The Holy Spirit has been with my people But the Holy Spirit, after my death on the cross, resurrection and ascension and session, when I'm in session on the throne, I'm going to pour out the Spirit and the Spirit is going to be where? In, in my people, all right? Now, I want us to take a little journey this morning in the time that we have left and I want us to go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Leviticus. So keep your finger in John And go back, just kind of hang a left, go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. Turn to Leviticus. It's probably a book that you don't read a whole lot, but there's a lot of great stuff in it. Matter of fact, you know, we should really read the Old Testament more, amen? Because listen to me, the Old Testament really is a hymn book. It's a hymn book. It talks about him, amen? I mean, on every page of the Old Testament, either in a prophecy or in a type or what the book of Hebrews calls a shadow, there is the substance and the reality of Jesus Christ himself. 
Matter of fact, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Amen. And so in Leviticus chapter 23, Moses begins to lay out these holy convocations, these gatherings of the people of God. And kind of like we have Thanksgiving every year, they had feasts and rituals, and they had powerful spiritual depth and meaning. And uh, in, in all of these, these feasts of Israel, there is a picture of some great truth of the Christian life. And so what I want you to do, and the reason we know that is because the, the New Testament writers refer back to these feasts and explain them fully and their significance for us on this side of the cross, all right, amen? So I just want to look at a couple of them, and then we'll zero in on one that has particular import for our discussion of the Holy Spirit and the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Is everybody with me, Amen. All right, look at Leviticus chapter 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said in verse 2, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, Yahweh, the personal name of God, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. And then he begins to go through some of these feasts. For example, in verse number 5, he says, On the 14th day of the first month, Abib, our month of April, at twilight is the Lord's, say the next word, Passover. Say it again, Passover. Now, do you remember what Passover is? You remember the people of God have been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. And they're groaning out for deliverance. So God raises up a man named Moses and God calls Moses to be the deliverer of his people. Now Moses starts trying to do it one Egyptian at a time, all right? And that doesn't work, so he gets run out of Egypt to the backside of the desert, and for 40 years he tends the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro until the time is right and God encounters Moses in a burning bush. Do you remember all this? God says, you know, I want you to go to Pharaoh's office, and I want you to tell Pharaoh, the Lord says, let my people go. And Moses said, man, I mean, what, number one, Pharaoh's not going to listen to me. The people, your own people aren't going to listen to me. And when I go and tell them the Lord sent me, who will I, what, what's your name? They're going to ask me what's your name. And you remember what God said, tell them what? I am. Tell them I am. Not I will be or I used to be or I'm a has-been. Tell them I am. I'm the self-existent one. And so God uh, sends Moses right into Pharaoh's office and, God, and Moses says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, who are you and who's God? Get out of here. I don't ever want to see you again. Do you remember this story? God begins to plague the nation of Israel with plagues on the very things that they worship. You know that, don't you? God's in a contest with, the, with Pharaoh and the entire nation of Egypt to show them that he indeed is the real God. For example, the Egyptians worshiped the sun. They called it Ra. And so God says, I'm going to give Ra a black eye. And, and God just turned the sun off. 
and there was darkness. The Egyptians worshipped the Nile River. They felt like it was the source of all life. They would sacrifice their babies to the crocodiles in the Nile River. And God said, I'm going to turn what you think is the source of life into death. And he filled the whole Nile River with blood. They worshipped frogs. And God said, buddy, if you like frogs, I'm going to give you some frogs. Amen? And there were frogs everywhere. And finally, all of this culminated in the death of the firstborn male including Pharaoh's son who the Egyptians worshipped as God incarnate, a son of God. You remember the death angel passed? God said, I'm going to pass through all the land and the death of the firstborn male of every household is going to occur, but there's a way out. There's a way of redemption. And God said, if you'll take the blood of a little innocent lamb and spill its blood, slit its throat, and catch its blood in a basin. And then take hyssop, which was the most common available plant. It, it's a, it speaks of faith, that God has given a measure of faith to every man. And if you'll have the faith to take that hyssop, that plant, and dip it down into that blood, and mark the doorpost of your home. What those Jews didn't realize is that when they marked the doorpost, they were making a cross, the sign of the cross. And God said, I'm going to pass throughout the land, but when I see the, say it, blood, I will pass over you. That's exactly what happened. You say, well, Scott, what is that ancient Jewish ritual and that historic event? What does it have to do with me as a believer in Jesus? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that Christ is our Passover lamb. Amen. John said, there goes the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was like an innocent lamb dying. When he shed his blood, the moment you repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, like I did in a jail cell 36 years ago, a drug addict, an alcoholic, a thug, a criminal, the very moment I repented of my sin and I placed my faith in Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead, the Spirit of God applied the blood of Jesus to the door post of my heart and because of that I'm free amen come on give God some praise in this place that's Passover and then he says in verse number six on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread and he talked to them about baking cakes without any leaven and of course in the Bible leaven always stands for sin Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And Paul said, don't you know a little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast will leaven the whole lump. Now what is this? Well, 1 Corinthians 5, 8 says that we are to live the Christian life without leaven. The feast of unleavened bread speaks of living a holy, consecrated life that is set apart for the glory of God. Amen. Then there's the feast of first fruits. Look down at verse number 10. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he will wave it before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath the, sheep sh the, the, the priest shall wave it. Now, what is this about? Well, God says when you come in and you sow your seed and the first little first fruits come up, then go come cut it down, take it to the priest, and the priest will literally wave it before the Lord to say two things. Lord, first of all, thank you for blessing us, and secondly, we believe that this means there's going to be a greater harvest to follow. Now, what is this? 
Did you know Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 23 said, Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits. And Jesus' resurrection proves that there's going to be a greater harvest to follow. And that greater harvest to follow are those of us who will go to sleep. If Jesus doesn't come back first, we're all going to die. Amen? George Bernard Shaw said, the statistics on death are very impressive. One out of every one person's die. So we're all going to die. And our bodies are going to be planted. Now our soul, our spirit, is going to go into the presence of God immediately. And when Jesus comes back, if we're not alive, then our dead bodies, by, by the sound of the archangel, there's going to be a trumpet blast that's so loud that it's literally going to wake up the dead bodies of those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Our bodies are going to rise, be reunited with our soul and our spirit, miraculously transformed. We're going to be just like Jesus in his post-crucifixion resurrected body, and we're going to live with the Lord like that forever, and then the whole planet is going to be made new. Amen? Woo! That's our hope. Now there's another feast and it has particular importance for our discussion of the Holy Spirit. Is everybody still with me? Amen? It's called the Feast of Weeks and it occurs, look down at verse number 15, you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, in other words, after the Feast of First Fruits, count 49 or seven Sabbaths, seven times seven is 49, and then one more day, verse number 16, count 50 days. Now, you know the Greek word for five or 50 is the word what? Pente, pente, five, a pentagram. So, this name of this feast began to change slowly from the Feast of Weeks to the Feast of or the Day of Pentecost. It occurred 50 days after first fruits, and it was a celebration of two things. Number one, it was a celebration of that great harvest. And secondly, it was a celebration of the giving of the law, the Mosaic law, the covenantal law that spelled out the relationship between God and his people that was written by the finger of God on tablets of stone. So they would come together and they would drink wine or this, they would drink grape juice, amen. I mean, they would drink wine or grape juice and they would dance and they would have joy and they would sing and there was a great celebration because God had given them the, the law and because God had given them a great harvest. Now, the day of Pentecost or the feast of Pentecost that we know of, that we're going to talk about in just a moment, is the fulfillment of this picture that 50 days after first fruits, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, it's no accident that the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. 
50 days after first fruits, the Bible says they were all together in one accord and they were praying and they were waiting for the promise that Jesus said would come and suddenly the Bible says there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and that's always symbolic of the Spirit of God. The word ruach, translated spirit in the Old Testament, literally means wind or breath and pneuma in the Greek in the New Testament, we know what pneumonia is. It's a breathing disorder. Ruach, pneuma, literally means wind or breath. And so there was a theophany. The wind began to blow, indicative of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then there were cloven tongues of fire. And of course, fire always means God is there on the burning bush. God showed up in fire. Mount Carmel, the fire fell. And the Bible says our God is a consuming fire and that Jesus would set like a refiner over the fire. And so this is symbolic and and a manifestation of the reality of the coming of the Holy Spirit just like this feast pictured and it celebrated two things. Number one, that the law of God that Moses received would no longer be written on tablets of stone but it would be written in the hearts of God's people and that we would no longer be religious people trying to serve God from the outside in but now we would be people whose spirit God has come to dwell in us and we would serve God from the inside out. His law would be written on our hearts. Amen? And then it was a celebration of a great harvest and of course on the day of Pentecost itself there were three 3,000 people, a great harvest that were saved, baptized, and added to the church that day. And all of this was pictured in the Jewish feast. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, let me show you something else. Look over at Joel chapter number 2. Go all the way over into the prophecy of Joel. Hosea, Joel, Amos. After the major prophets into the minor prophets, the book of Joel. And look at Joel chapter number 2. Is everybody there? You know this passage. Remember Jesus said, you know about the Holy Spirit. He was right there at the beginning of creation. He empowered my servants, the prophets. He empowered people to do physical tasks. You know about the Holy Spirit. He's been with you. He was pictured in the Jewish feast and now prophesied by Joel This coming of the Holy Spirit in a new way. Now, everybody look right here. When we talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we're not talking about his coming into existence. He has always existed. Matter of fact, the book of Hebrews calls him the eternal spirit because he's God. But just like when we talk about the coming of Jesus born in Bethlehem's manger, we're not saying that that's when the Son of God began to exist. The Son of God has always existed. The Logos in the unbegun beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But there was a unique moment in salvation history when the Son of God took on humanity. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God, amen? When God entered human history and it was a unique, never-to-be-repeated event called the, the Bethlehem, called Christmas, amen? God said there's gonna come a day when I'm going to pour out my spirit. Matter of fact, let's let Joel do the preaching. Look at Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward, God says, that I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was largely a limited work. 
It was limited in terms of the people who received the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was usually only prophets or priests or kings, usually for some kind of a prophetic task or a physical task of empowerment. It was always male and always Jewish. But God said there's going to come a day when I'm going to open up heaven and like a thunderstorm out of heaven, I'm going to pour out my spirit on what? All flesh, Jew flesh and Gentile flesh, male flesh and female flesh, lay flesh and clerical flesh, if you want to talk. In other words, your preacher and your pastors are not the only people who have been given the God-given ability to operate in the powerful gifts of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's for all flesh. It's for all God's people. It's not just for men. It's not just for trained clergy. Are you with me on this? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Look at this. And your sons and your daughters will preach. If you got a problem with women preachers, then you got a problem with the spirit being poured out on all flesh. Because your sons and your daughters will preach, prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, Joel is not the only prophet to talk about this. Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah 32, 15, that the spirit will be poured out. Ezekiel had a vision about it, dry bones coming alive because of the wind, the breath of the Spirit of God. And of course, Jeremiah talks about it in Jeremiah 31. He says there's going to be a new covenant. I'm going to put my law, my spirit inside of it. This is what Jesus was talking about. Look at me. And it's what God has always wanted. I bet, listen to me. Lean in. God has never wanted to be distant from us. Adam and Eve were clothed with the very glory of God. And even after they messed up, God said, I'll still come. I'll come and live in a big tent called the tabernacle. My glory will fill that tabernacle. And it'll be right in the midst of all the camps and all the tribes of Israel. I want to be with you, God is saying. And then we messed that up. So God said, well, then build a temple and I'll come and my glory will be in the Holy of Holies. But the people began to worship the temple of the Lord instead of the Lord of the temple. And so God allowed the whole thing to be destroyed in 586 by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. But God still didn't give up. We messed up the garden and we messed up the tabernacle and we messed up the temple. And so God said, I'm going to do something y'all can't mess up. I'm going to come down there myself. And that's who Jesus was. Jesus pitched his tent, a tent of human flesh. And inside of Jesus was the very manifest presence, the glory of God himself. And then Jesus said, I'm going to go away. Because right now I'm with you, but my ministry is limited. It's circumscribed. I can teach in Galilee and Capernaum and Jerusalem, but I can't do it all at the same time because I've limited myself with human flesh. But when I die on the cross for your sin and make an atonement like the Passover lamb, when I ascend into heaven, take my rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and I will no longer be with you, I'll be in you. 
and you won't have to go to Jerusalem to worship because you'll be the temple of God. And it won't be about a geographical space of land called Israel. You will be the new Israel. And it won't be about offering up bulls and blood of bulls and goats, but you offer up a sacrifice of praise and even your own body, which is your reasonable service. Can somebody shout amen in this place? Woo, hallelujah. And Jesus promised this. Look over at Luke chapter number 24. I'm almost finished. Look at Luke chapter 24. And look at verse 49. Has anybody gotten anything out of this? Amen. Sometimes I think, man, I I love the Old Testament, the stories of the Old Testament. Sometimes I think, man, it would have been so awesome to live in the Old Testament like Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God just took him. One day Enoch was walking with God and God said, son, you're a lot closer to my house than you are to yours. Just come on up. Man, what would that have been like? To have been living in the days of Moses and Elijah and Elisha and John the Baptist. But do you know what Jesus said? It's better to live on this side because on that side the Spirit of God was with the people. But Jesus said the day is going to come when he will not be with you. He will be where? In you. And your body will be the dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what Jesus promised. Look at it in Luke chapter 24 and look at verse number 49. Luke 24, 49. He said, behold, I send the promise that which was pictured in the Jewish feast and prophesied by Joel and the other prophets, the promise, I will send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high. And then, of course, the Spirit is poured out in Jerusalem. Just flip over into Luke's second volume. We call it Acts, but it's really Luke volume 2. And look at Acts chapter number 2, and we'll wind this thing up. Amen? Acts chapter number 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, you remember that, don't you, from Leviticus 23, the feast of weeks, celebrating the giving of the law and the great harvest, and it was a time of joy and rejoicing and dancing and celebrating. This same day had come. This day which the prophets had prophesied and God had pointed toward. The day had finally come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, the breath of God, the pneuma of God, the ruach of God and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Notice the day was full and now the house is full and there appeared unto them divided tongues as a fire, each one set upon each of them and they were all filled. Now the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit How do we know they were filled? Because they began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them up. What is that about? It's about the reversal of the curse at Babel. At Babel, God divided their tongues out of judgment and scattered them. Now God brings all these same groups of people together and now he blesses their tongues and and unites their tongues so that they're all speaking the glorious works of God. And this time when they're sent out, it's not in judgment, it's to be a blessing to all the nations. Amen? 
It's a sign that the kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God is not something we're waiting for in the future. The kingdom of God is here right now. How do we know it? Because the spirit has been poured out. The kingdom is here. And it's about prophetic power for all of the people of God. Not just for some of the people of God, but for all of the people of God. Not only are we priests, we can go to God on behalf of others. And not only are we kings, we rule and reign with Jesus, but we're also prophets. We can speak with power to our generation. Amen? Amen. Why? Because the Spirit of God has been poured out. So the new covenant has been established. The kingdom has been inaugurated. The power of God is here. Jesus is Lord. Babel is reversed. The Holy Ghost is here. Woo! Praise God. So why are you satisfied to live such a shallow, pathetic, weakling, puny, miserable excuse for a Christian life and let the devil beat your brains out? When all the power of heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit is not only with you, but in you. Amen? Let's stand together. Lift your hands in the air. If you pray in tongues, why don't you do that right now? Let's just pray and worship the Lord in tongues. And if you've never had that experience, it is for you. So why don't you by faith just begin to give voice to what is already in you. Just let the Spirit of God release that beautiful language of heaven, that wonderful gift from God. And let's just take, I want us to take one minute and let's just praise the Lord in a heavenly tongue right now. All right, ready? another service coming in 
And if you don't have to go anywhere or be anywhere, why don't you just hang out with us? Because this next service is going to be very powerful. And we're going to need many of you to help pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some of you might need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to pray for the sick in the next service because we have more time. Pastor has been so gracious, if you turn on the lights, guys, to uh, receive a love offering for our ministry. Be seated for just a moment. And Pastor is going to come. But let me I just want to say one thing. I'm going to Pakistan, and I've been trying to go, and the devil has been hindering because of the problems they have over there. But God willing, in September, I'll be going to Pakistan to preach the gospel, amen, to pray for the sick right there in Islamabad. I'll be in Russia before the end of the year. I'll be back in Africa, as well as crusades and conferences all over America. And pastor asked, what is one thing we could help you with? Well, number one, pray. And of course, our website's just scottcamp.org. By the way, I have a new book about the Holy Spirit coming out July the 1st. We don't sell it, we give it away. So if you want a copy of it, just go on the website and say, send me a copy of Scott's new book, scottcamp.org. But if there was one thing you could help us with, it's the upcoming trip to Pakistan. Let me tell you why. The Muslims, I've already asked them, and they're not going to pay for it, all right? They said they will not pay for a, me to come over and preach the gospel. I can't understand why, but they're not going to do it. So I'm asking all of our friends in the West to help me, to partner with me, to invest so that Pakistani boys and girls and men and women who are under the oppressive, false, demonic religion of Islam can be set free and they're coming to Jesus you don't ever see about this on the news but thousands of Muslims are coming into the kingdom of God Jesus is showing up in dreams and visions God's opening the door for our ministry and many others but if you can help us this morning I would sure appreciate it and I think heaven would be grateful I know Pakistanis will be grateful throughout eternity that somebody cared enough to send a you say, well, I'm not going to go to Pakistan. Well, I will. If you'll help me go, I'll go. And when I go, you go. Because you help me go. Amen. So I love you. Thank you for listening. Did you get anything out of this morning? Amen. All right. And if you can hang around, this next service is going to be very, very, very powerful and impactful. All right. Pastor. Amen. Let's sow into the man of God. And this is our opportunity to sow in some good soil and actually send somebody to a place maybe we can't go. But I'm going to have my Bible up here. And if you want to just uh, bring an offering up here, we also have ushers at the back of the door. You can put an offering in there. Whether you write, uh, if you use an offering envelope, just write Scott Camp, and we'll make sure that goes there. Or if you use a debit machine or a push pay, just make a note, Scott Camp. We'll make sure all that money goes to help with his expenses to getting here. And his family's here. And let's pray for them. They weren't feeling real good. They were going to be here and sing. But pray this next service that his family will be here. But as we close, Scott's going to hang around here if you want prayer for anything. Also, I want some of our altar team to pray here. And a very big question, if you die today and don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell, if you don't know where you'd spend eternity, 
then you need to ask Christ in your life. So just come over to that cross. I'll be over there. We'll say a prayer. You can get that right with God if you've gotten off track. And if you can't stay for some reason in the next service, you want somebody to pray for the power of God, that gift of the Holy Spirit, we'll have Scott here in our altar team, and we'll pray for you then. Amen? So we're just going to stand up, begin to sing, and you're welcome to dismiss yourself or come to the altar and pray. And God bless you, and we'll see you next week. The atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around The Spirit of the Lord is here And over the Be